Lindercast. Oh, 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 two. Woohoo! All right, I'm back and I'm going to discuss some stuff. But first, what, Coach Harry? Let's get some life in our pants. All right, man, we will. We will. Totally. Now, I'm going to talk about in this cast. I said I would do it yesterday. That did not happen. As you know, I'm often wrong about when I'm going to do stuff. But I'm not wrong that I am going to do it and it will get done. You can always rely on the ultimate promise, if not the proximate promise. Anyway, so I was out last week. Uh, hit the road for an extremely long thousands of miles trip. And I had a chance during that trip to absorb a lot of common media, mass media, junk media, cable TV that I never normally see because I cut cable, I think it was 2012. About this time, it was one of those summers, I was just sick of that. I was sick of the rising prices. I, I loathe the commercials on TV. I loathe the content. Not that there's any difference between the show itself and the commercials. They're the, the same thing. One's a little more spermatic. The other's a little less condensed. But the same exact garbage pushing the same agenda. So I love not paying money to Jews for anything and have organized my life around that in a lot of ways, as I've recommended to a lot of you. Anyway, I, I happened to be in the road in a hotel for a couple of days on some uh, personal stuff, and I was able to watch a massive amount during the week. Uh, I left on a Saturday when the rally was going on, and I came back, like, say, that, that following Friday. So the whole week, all the media I heard listening to NPR, listening to the radio as I drove basically up through the northeastern corridor all the way up to Moose Country, I kid you not, and back, I listened to loads of NPR, loads of talk radio, and I watched formal cable TV. And so I have a lot of observations about that that I'm going to get into today. Anyway, that's going to be the whole subject of this, the the rally there and the media coverage of it uh, more so. So we'll uh, we'll dig into that in this Lindercast. Oh, 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 two. So I'm putting out 0002 because there's going to be at least four figures of Lindercast. You know, sometimes I get tired of the name and I change it, but it's a good, simple name, easy to remember. Even if I said Lindercost the first time, maybe I could say I could be like have a name that has a normal spelling and then mispronounce it to be cool. So I could say like, no, it's actually, it's uh, it's uh, it may be spelled Lindercast. It may look as though it's supposed to be pronounced Lindercast, but it's actually Lindercost. The Cognoscenti will, will know. So you could say it's Lindercost 0002, but it's spelled Lindercast to fool the people, the people in three parentheses, so they don't know what's going on. We're sneaking up on them. Anyway. Yeah, okay. And uh, a couple of um, interesting things. When I got back, I actually had a couple of media requests, which I have not had in a while. And maybe I'll go over those. Uh, but I want to talk. I actually wrote down some notes when I was on 
the road and, and listening and just talk about the overall reaction and some other things that pop up. I hate that things always occur to me and then I forget about them and then I record and I stop and then I remember something else. But the whole idea of this is kind of free range commentary on the issues of the day. There's a fair amount of stuff out there now, um, but uh, I think I can add something better than what I'm hearing and reading. And I pay very close attention to this. I read, I, what do I read? I read Occidental Descent. I read Alt-Right. I read Daily Stormer, which is now, uh, basically driven to the dark web uh, due to oppression. And, you know, this was typical, what we saw back in the 2000, 2007 period, whenever we would get a rally, whenever something big was going on and we had huge traffic back then, uh, yeah, we'd start having those DDoS attacks and be knocked down. Whenever we would get momentum, they got to destroy it. And so right now we're seeing sort of the, uh, what Vox Day would call the convergence or sort of the uh, political correcting and the driving of anyone who has alternative views off the net, deplatforming them, no platforming them, so that they cannot run a simple news site. Even though Daily Stormer, for instance, Anglin has been 100% against violence from day one and posts that on his site. It doesn't matter. What you say doesn't matter. They just, they treat it very ideologically. It was the same with VNN. I never did what he did because I knew that. I knew it doesn't matter. The correct way on violence is not to say anything about it. Because either someone is responsible for his own behavior or he's not. And if they're going to try to claim that X, Y, or Z is responsible for someone else's behavior, what are you going to, then nothing you say on your site is going to make any difference in that regard. All you have to do is follow the letter of the law, which is all you really can do, and say, you know, you can't do anything that's illegal incitement. But, you know, most people like to throw around terms without knowing what they actually mean. You know, First Amendment censorship, incitement to violence. Uh, and we saw this even in relation to this rally. And I'll talk about this a little more, the, the use of terms. I'll get to that a little later. Let me let me note that down. But uh, first I want to talk about what I saw on TV. All right, so what I saw watching CNN was it, it was interesting. And I literally never watch this stuff. The most I see are little clips here and there on the internet of, say, Tucker Carlson most typically. And truly, he is the only one who's a little different from these others. But CNN, first thing you notice about the rally is absolutely no interest in establishing the facts about anything. It's purely ideological. They are uh, essentially a party faction. I think the best way to think of them is as a cult. And I don't even like echo chamber. I think hothouse, cult is the best, hothouse. They cannot tolerate any opinion. These people are shallow, they're conformist, they're ideological, and they are absolutely uninterested in facts. So, and here's an example. If you Now, I should say, when I was on the road, I did not have the internet. I don't, I don't have a cell phone. And I did not have a laptop with me. So all I had for a few days there, and again, I'm out the door basically right as the rally was supposed to start. I hit the road. So I posted some stuff on the forum. And then right after about, I don't know, around the time the rally was supposed to start, they maybe a half hour before declared the state of emergency. So that was pretty much the last I saw. And then I was on the road. 
and then uh, driving, you know, uh, the better part of 2,000 miles through kind of, you know, Illinois, Indiana, Ohio, Pennsylvania, and then up into the Northeast. Uh, and the funny thing was at the terminus of my journey, almost the first thing I saw was this big old pickup truck with a giant rebel flag in the back, as, as about as far north as you could get and still be in the U.S. practically, which I thought was kind of funny. But anyway, so my point is, what does someone know who only has TV for access, right? So the specific example of this is the shields in the car. Now, the media completely portrayed this as basically the equivalent of one of these ISIS members taking their van and deliberately trying to smash as many people as possible. And I just knew and said, I'm like, nah, I doubt that. I bet what actually happened was a bunch of leftists were surrounding his car and beating on it, screaming at it, and it freaked him out into an overreaction uh, as he tried to get away. That's what I figured was probably the truth. But if all you had was TV... You would have absolutely no inkling of any of that because it was never, ever talked about in any other way other than this was a vicious, racist, Nazi hate crime that was completely intentional. Zero interest in the facts. Zero interest. CNN is not in any way, shape, or it's not even fake news. News may, may be in its name, but it is not in a technical sense. This is one of the things that comes through you most strongly. It's not a news thing at all. CNN is like five or six different people and they each have a show on an hour and all they do is put on panels and say exactly the same shit. It's, it's absolutely absurd. They're completely ideological. They're completely superficial. They're completely anti-white and there's, there's no deviation. It just goes from, I can't even tell you the people, but it's typically some good looking white broad and a panel of two or four people who are usually black or all black. I mean, the only people that seem to be allowed on something like CNN, and this is practically true of Fox as well, are good-looking white women, Jews, and blacks. And normal white men are basically nowhere to be found. Tucker Carlson is pretty much the one exception. And Fox is not really different in any particular way than CNN. You know, you've got uh, Greg Gutfeld on there who pretends he's not a Jew, a uh, little homunculus I used to know back in my days in D.C. And, you know, of, of course the racist, the racist scum very glibly flies off the list, lips of all these official system people, Glenn Beck, Rush Limbaugh, uh, Greg Gutfeld, and the rest of the ones at Fox. That these, Oh, yeah, it goes without saying that these are, these are bigots, these are racial scum, they're evil racists, they're awful Nazis. So even the ones who demur slightly from the party line still keep the party line when it comes to racialists. So there's no genuine variety on TV. Now, what struck me was if all you knew about the world came from CNN, you would know damn little and what you knew wouldn't, wouldn't be true. You would think that the racial demographics in the U.S. were reversed and whites were 13% of the population and blacks were like 87%. Because that's who was on all of these panels on CNN is a bunch of blacks. And, you know, just hour after hour after hour. And, and all they do, you see, they basically, they take no advantage of the medium. So you think, okay, you've got TV. What would McLuhan say? An extension of the eye. Put, put the camera where I can't get to because I'm in one location. And I want to see around the world. They, they hardly use it at all. They'll take the same, you know, 15, 20 
second clip and they'll run it for 18 hours in a row. <laughs> so in, in, in no sense, it's like imitation flavored food is the, the best way I always think of it. Like it, it kind of, it's kind of in a news format, but it's not genuinely news. And the same way music, is music music? No, it's like debald. Or is the painter of light Thomas Kincaid, is that art? No, it's debald. It's, it's in that form, but that's not really what it is. It's propaganda that's sort of shaped like an actual newscast, but yet they don't, they don't ever actually, inter- they don't get out there and actually talk to people and interview them. They just use the same clips over and over, and they have, everything is third-hand from experts, and the experts are taken from carefully calculated groups, and they're always pushing essentially the same line. And so you have to be leftist, and maybe they disagree within, within their leftism, but there's nothing outside of that at all. So it's effectively useless, but it's seamless, and so you don't know. So here's what I'm going to say. So I'm, I'm gone for a week. Right. So, <clears throat> of course, now when I left, right around, say, noon, when, when the rally was, you know, in the, in the hour when the rally was supposed to have gone off, again, there in the east, I was in the central at that point, the Shields thing hadn't happened. Right. So, I didn't know anything about it, and I don't remember when I first heard about it, but... Whenever I heard about it, all I knew is what was reported on TV. Again, no phone, no internet for me. So all I know is what I see in, in the few hours I've got it on when I, I'm in the hotel room for a couple of nights. So I surmised, because obviously it was you know someone in my position with my background would be able to pretty well guess what probably happened, because we know how leftists are. We know they surround these people and beat them and threaten them. And, and I, I said, I bet that kid was, but they're not, a word or whisper of that came out and the the brief the little tiny video they had of it just showed it backing at like one mile an hour and they didn't even they didn't even show well the other day someone when I got back someone sent me the actual video which I I don't know if that's been shown on any TV channel yet probably not where he's actually going forward and then backing up super quick uh, I I don't know if that's on TV now but then I didn't know the first time I had an intimation that I might be right that he was responding to something rather than deliberately targeting as they inevitably said on all the stations was uh, I caught as I'm coming back I caught some sports radio show out of Pittsburgh and I didn't catch it it was sports I would have ignored it but the guy was talking politics when I when I flipped on it and he hinted that uh, I forget what exactly he said. And I, I don't remember the dude's name, but yeah, it was a, you know, he's talking about you know the pirates and and the Steelers was what his main stuff. But he was starting off because this was such a big thing in the news, talking and he somehow he brought that up and mentioned that just maybe the guy the protesters were beaten on the car. And then when you see the video the guy sent me that I got when I was back in Kirksville, oh yeah, you know the guy went forward. He obviously was scared and went forward and hit the car. Then a couple of niggers and others jumped in behind him, and one of them smashed his back window open. And that's when he, he took off zooming backwards and crushed one person between his car and another to the side. And so then I was like, yeah, see, you, when you know how the media lie, you can predict pretty darn well. When you know their agenda and you know who controls the media and you, you know what they intend, 
You can guess how they'll play anything. It's the skeleton key, understanding the media are controlled by Jews, and they're pushing a genocidal anti-white agenda. You can tell how they'll play any particular happening. So, so, so that's all they are. They really are like a Mad Libs, where a few of the nouns and adjectives can be changed, but the basic template is established for all time. So to call them a news organization, they're not. They're, they're news-flavored because they deal with topical stuff. But truly, they're an agenda-pressing organization. They're a categorical, ideological organization that uses news to promote its agenda or uses a sort of a news flavor, like you use like a vanilla flavor in something you're cooking and put in a couple drops. That's about all the news is associated. It's like really is like a couple drops of vanilla news is, is into the ideological mush that is what CNN puts out. And I mean, these people are just loathsome liars. And I swear to God, every panel I saw had about four niggers on it. And I, I think that may be a change from when, from when I had TV. I never watched much CNN anyway. But that, that's all it is, is, the, is these, you know, one-hour shows with some left-wing host. You know, it's Anderson Cooper. It's I forget the broad's name and uh, others. And they bring on guests, and the guests are mostly black Wolf Blitzer is another at CNN, and they bring out a bunch of blacks, and they all promote the same thing and get angry if they're not going quite far enough. And that's it. That's what CNN has to offer. And so... Look at my notes here. Reps, cons, won't question any motives except white nationalists. So they're just the alt-liberals. They're the alt-leftists. You know, everyone is inherently valid. Everyone's pure of heart. You know, the you you have, and what have, what have we observed in the past? Whenever violence is initiated by the left, which is every time, the media, the Jews' media, move into the passive voice and they use very predictable terms they will always say violence broke out oh who started the violence oh it just happened it just broke out that is your clue just the way they use teens when they mean niggers or youths when they mean niggers who created violent when they say something forces clash that means the left initiated it when they say violence erupted clashed broke out all those mean the left initiated it and then they move from there, and I'm getting to the point I said I would discuss later. What they have done over decades, and I mentioned this in, in my college, where the most articulate individual I have ever personally been around, even more than Bob Costas, who's an extraordinarily articulate left-wing sportscaster, was a fellow, uh, what was he? He was an English teacher of mine who had been a, protege under the Jew Saul Bellow, the novelist from Chicago, Brian Stonehill, now deceased. And he had criticized me. Have I, I think I've said this before, written it. I had written an essay and he described my essay as violent. And I always wished, I never went and had a private conversation with him and I wish I had. Um, because I really object to that. I, I, would have, I would have told him that's, that's not legitimate. That's bullshit term, and you should know that. The left, it's, it's 
parallel to the dishonesty in the concept of hate crimes. Hate crimes is an attempt to create a category of crime that either isn't a crime, is just simply different opinion, or in any cases where whites can star, blacks cause most of the real crime, and in order to hide that, they came up with the bogus concept of political crime, which they call hate crime. So that's the only motive that's allowed to drive white people who would defend their race. They're evil racists, they're Nazis, they're hate criminals. Uh, and so, so what they do is try to claim that your speech equals their actions, except no, not equals. Your speech is the real problem. Your speech is the real violence. Your speech is worse than their behavior. So the Antifa, which is just a term for communist, Jewish anti-white communists, they aren't the violent ones. They are responding to the violence. And you go, what violence? I didn't throw any brick through anything or attack. Well, your opinions are violence. Your speech, your pushing your pro-white opinion is a violent speech act. See, and I said, my professor Stonehill, this was in the 80s. So even back then, they were, they were trying to push this bogus thing that there's no difference between beliefs and actions, between words and behavior. And the media very much promote this. So what they will do, again, the passive voice on the actual violence. See, they're, they're essentially trying to say that opinion violence is hate crime. Your opinion violence, now they don't actually put it like that, but they might as well. Like the concept of hate crime, well, something's either a crime or it's not. It has nothing to do with hate. But they brainwashed people through their ubiquitous control of the media into believing that. But in reality, something is either a crime or it's not a crime. The attitude of the person in question is, is irrelevant. Obviously, people are not committing crimes, legitimate crimes, for noble reasons. Right? Maybe unless you're Jean Valjean stealing a loaf of bread to feed your starving kids. But So... Your opinion violence, they counter by destroying property and flinging bottles of urine and shit and batteries at the haters who are motivated by hate because they're hateful. And so no good motivation is ever allowed to our side and no bad motivation is ever attributed to them because, I mean, they're fighting Nazis. And Nazis are the most evil people of all times. So your violent, racist, Nazi-like opinions justify their actual violence. But the media portrayed as your opinion violence is worse than their real violence. Right? So the media, when the left actually initiates the violence, the left is the violent party. The Jews' media is the left. The Antifa, the anti-white communists, are the left. The Jews' media covers for the Antifa. And what they were starting to say, I saw in some of the coverage, like the host would say something like, well, formally in, in their news reports, they'll say, you know, violence broke out, violence erupted, two sides clashed. And like I say, that always means the left started it. Because if the right started it, they would attribute it to 
all of a sudden they'd switch into active voice. The rightist attacked the leftist who then defended themselves, is what they would say, something like that. Notice they're fully willing to attribute agency to James Shields. They won't ever allow him any extenuating circumstance. Not once in the televised media I saw did they mention it was only, like I said, this outlier, this sports guy, and he wasn't defending. He was a leftist himself, obviously. But he at least mentioned that, that he might have been under duress, as you could see from the video, which I posted uh, on uh, the guy sent me that I posted on the forum and I think on Gab as well. So no, there's never any extenuating circumstances for whites, but there always are for the left. Right down to their literally calling your opinion the actual violent crime and their actual violence a legitimate response. Your opinions and your expression of those opinions is the violence. Their actually violent response to your side is speech. So again, what is this? It's reversing reality. It's inverting reality. It's, it's, it's gaslighting. It's telling you the opposite of the truth. The, the long pencil is the short one. The short pencil is the long one. Reversing reality to mess your mind up. So they won't tell you who actually started the violence. Ever. Unless it's right-wing, and it never is. So it's always left-wingers initiating this stuff. So they always fall into passive voice. And no hint was given that Shields did anything other than exactly what ISIS has done, like rent a, rent a car and just drive it over as many people as he could get under the wheels. When in fact, as the video clearly shows, that's not how it was at all. And so, again, that, that was uh, CNN. I, what did I write down? Uh, coons and cucks on cnn yeah that's all it is it's it's basically and not even white cucks but like like limper black types who are trying to remonstrate a little bit but in any case they'll have on hardcore leftist you know pro niggers like Wes bellamy and then they'll have some some nigger cuck that no one's ever heard of who's making a tepid slightly less meliorated case who's typically a very very scrawny little dude Whereas the pro nigger ones are, are much uh, bigger, so they even they even look like a wuss visually. The little these little black creatures I've never seen before, who I assume are fairly regular on CNN. Anyway, so coons and cucks. So this is the debate, and hour after hour, exactly the same thing, using the same clips, the same exact discussion. So they'll they'll have, and this is even what the media requests I had from NPR and La Stampa. Uh, the, the biggest Italian paper to discuss, like, well, I guess the Italian one was more general and open. And which direction is USA going? What, what's, what, what do you think about Charlie? I'll, I'll read you those later. But the NPR one was, was about what had concerned the media all week. Trump, the, the horror at Trump's moral equation of Nazis and anti-Nazis, when in fact it should be put as anti-whites and normal whites, Jew-led, Jew-driven anti-whites, violent anti-whites, violent communist anti-whites who instigated the actual violence and white loyalists. That's the actual neutral way of putting it. But the media are not interested in reality.
they don't report facts, except in the very rare circumstances they fear them. They know the facts, but they don't report them. Like I wrote back to the NPR broad, I'm like, this is real reporting, referring to the ducks, you know, uh, Pax Dickinson's graphic Twitter layout of how the police fed the leaders of this rally to the anti-white communists called Antifa in order to A, get them beat up, and B, give them a pretext for declaring a state of emergency that would prevent the white men from speaking. So I said to her, I, I gave her the link to all that, which I have already posted on the forum. I said, this is real reporting, which is not what you and NPR do. And I can absolutely verify that from listening to it uh, all the way across half plus of the country, or at least the eastern, northeastern uh, quarter of the country, if you chopped it up like a side of beef. From Missouri up to Maine, let's say, that little arc. Anyway, um, what have I got written down? CNN, evil cop lying about violence, initiation. CNN, no news, brief clips and panels is all they had. We've covered that. Now, let's see. And yeah, and, and so what, what I noticed, I'm always looking for new wrinkles. I'm always looking to find something I haven't seen before, which will be a new development and how they propagandize this stuff. And they were basically, they even used the verb. I, I don't remember who it was, but I think it was on CNN. One of these these women essentially said, the idea that the white right is instigating parentheses, any bad thing that happens by holding this rally. We're like, well, well, look, they're holding a political rally. That's covered under the First Amendment, the right to peacefully assemble. They even went so far as to get a permit. It was all worked out with the cops. CNN has no interest in telling you that the cops reneged because of their political, the political leadership that controls the cops reneged in the agreement, deliberately exposed the whites to harm and denied their court-backed permit. So all this completely illegal, but the media colludes with the, the media is the left. The media colludes with the powers that be not only to deny whites a political voice and political representation, but to lie about what happens to them in everyday life while masquerading as a news source. So I, I thought the use of instigation was something new. They're basically saying by holding a rally, they instigate all the problems. Well, you shouldn't essentially a version of don't make the black kids angry. Don't speak up and defend your rights because that's what leads to all this. If you would just shut up about being screwed out of your country and having it stolen from you and having your world filled with turd worlders and, and violent niggers, if you would just shut up with about that, let's face it, you're the real problem. Your reaction to what we're doing to you is the real problem. You're the instigator. Your opinions are the real violence. You're driven by hate. You're the ones who need to disappear. And I think you understand what I'm saying. This is very much how everything is played on CNN by these lying, uh, these lying broads who run these panels, the lying little faggot communists like Anderson Cooper, the lying little hook-nosed Jew, Wolf Blitzer. And I wish I could remember that broad's name, but I, I just don't watch them enough. I'm not familiar with them. But she was on there all the time. Now let's see.
And then I have my note, CNN mainly interested in using their misrepresentation of what happened in Charlottesville in their campaign to bring down Trump. Absolutely. Their, their, their main interest was driving out Bannon. Now they've accomplished that. But yeah, CNN, no interest in reporting the facts, just sort of almost third-hand analysis from the usual suspects, all them black or cucks, but always leftists. And just the same couple clips and using this to bash. So, so everything that week was on Trump's, oh, he didn't, he didn't denounce the evil white racist. He denounced both sides. He equated Nazis. He made a moral equivalence. This was what everything that I saw was concerned with. I guess he made his original statement Saturday and then like his like formal corrected one Monday and then his his uh, more off the cuff at the press. Con- and I thought he did a really good job at the press conference. And this is what the NPR person was asking me on. If anything, he didn't go far enough because, yeah, there's no moral equivalence here. The left started the whole thing. The left misrepresented the whole thing. But the left's view is, Men fall into categories that are good or evil. And if you're in an evil category, then any kind of lie can be made up against you and your motives are inherently evil. And they skew reality in, in, in line with this. So the left had no interest in reporting the actual fact that the violence was instigated by the left, as it always is. They, of course, a rational way of treating it. If you were truly interested in delivering news and say, look, these are the same type of people who caused millions of dollars of property damage at Berkeley uh, in the Northeast and a number of other uh, campus spots, the same mentality. They initiated the violence here and they would have gone into the politics that got the march canceled. But of course, they don't play it like that. They're very ideological. They're completely ideological. So they want to use Trump's, they always want you to disavow and defame your own side when all Trump was doing. Trump is a civic nationalist. He is certainly by no means a racialist or a racial loyalist. He doesn't think like that, and his whole history proves that. <laughs> but of course, to the left, every every white is a racist. And that includes they themselves, because they, they, they see the same thing we do when they look at the nigger. They just have a different political inference drawn from that. So they're, if anything, more guilty. The people like, this is what I, you know, these people either believe or or try to pretend to believe for career purposes that in the civic nationalist lie that, oh, yeah, you know, blacks could be, they, they really are equal to whites. We just got to tinker around with some of these social policies. This is more the Limbaugh, the Beck position. And Trump would be of that school. Bannon would be of that school. They don't really put much belief in race. They may make some of the same observations we racialists would of the symptoms, but they don't they don't like to go any farther than that and they know it's not safe and they're not really intellectuals anyway. So they stick to this safe fake opposition that's been laid down for them. They still get criticism from the left, but at least they're allowed to go on earning a paycheck. Low these many decades. So let's see. And you know me, I'm always trying to come up with lines. I, I had uh, no rules for the left, no room for the right.
you know, kind of a kind of an update. This all comes from Mark Hughes, the idea of no platforming, which was to explode in the weeks after Charlottesville. But anyway, the alt-right absolutely dominated the national media for more than a week. The reaction to what happened in Charlottesville. So they are they are on the map. I could say we are, but I would call myself a white nationalist. Now, functionally, I suppose I'm a member of the alt-right too, but I don't see a need to change white nationalists. It's nice, neutral, descriptive language. We want a white nation. We demand a white nation. That means whites only. And we recognize that Jews are our enemy and the obstacle to getting that nation. And we are compelled and delighted to fight against them. But anyway, no rules for the left. You know, as I read this to you today, a couple weeks after that Charlottesville rally, like today, more statues, in the last 24 hours, were, uh, were taken down at the University of Texas in Austin, I believe it was. And also uh, blacks, what, what is it? I had it right pulled up in the news here. Um, another terror attack in France. Let me see, I got, you know. Blacks had just destroyed some other uh, monuments in Baltimore. They were attacking. Uh, it wasn't a Confederate. Let me let me see. Uh, ah, yes. Yeah, so see, it's already gone beyond. And Trump correctly said, well, "Where's it going to stop? You know, you take these beautiful old historical monuments, and you're acting like ISIS and destroying them. Where's it going to stop? Is it going to lead to you know, Thomas Jefferson and George Washington were slaveholders? You going to do them too?" And, of course, they will in time. But today in Baltimore, Columbus. So not just the uh, Confederates. This is the first step beyond that to Columbus. Uh, Columbus statue in Baltimore vandalized. And they, they vandalized it and they left a uh, poster board. Racism, tear it down. The future, blah, blah, blah. I can't read the rest of it. Aimed at Explorers, Columbus statue in Baltimore vandalized, subtitle, aimed at the Explorers' role in, quote, genocide and exploitation, vandals say. Action follows city's removal of Confederate monuments. So this is in Baltimore, which uh, blacks have turned into a nigger hole, most of it. The future is racial and economic justice, so more and more like South Africa, where any symbol of whiteness is uh, hated and despised and attacked by the blacks. Christopher Columbus symbolizes the initial invasion of European capitalism into the Western Hemisphere. Columbus initiated a centuries-old wave of terrorism, murder, genocide, rape, slavery, ecological degradation, and capitalist exploitation of labor in the Americas. And I don't need to go on more than that because you know the leftist boilerplate bullshit. Uh, anyway, so... As I said, I was, you know, sitting there looking at this, trying to sum it up. No rules for the left and no room for the right is one one slogan I came up with while I was watching this. Uh, and again, like I said, the Jew Herbert Marcuse, another one of these emigres from uh, nationalist Germany who wound up in the Americas as an academic was basically the father of the no platforming concept. I mean, I'm sure you could find compar comparable stuff from Lenin and, and the formal communist, but he's the one associated with that in the 60s, That and he's the intellectual theoretical basis for that. 
campaign today. And as I said, that was to explode after Charlottesville as they, they just went hog wild saying Daily Stormer couldn't even be on the Google. It couldn't be hosted by anybody. It couldn't even be indexed by the Google search engine. And again, James Damore came out around this time. And I think he was actually on Tucker Carlson on one of the days of some kind of a halting, I guess a little bit spurgy type that is on the autistic spectrum, as they say. And all he did and, and what he did was misrepresented, as the leftists always do. It, it, it's purely ideological. They don't respond to actual facts. He said that there are sexual biological reasons that women are not as interested in programming as men. He didn't say all, none of them could do it. He didn't say the ones who did it weren't competent. He said biology explains my worst, far fewer women than men are interested in the type of coding careers that, that you would find at a place like Google. So, to call CNN any kind of a news organization is absurd. It's not even fake news. It's not, it's not news at all beyond a couple of drops of vanilla, to use the cooking metaphor. It's news flavored, but it sure as hell isn't news. It's just browbeating hour after hour after hour the same approach. And the cult's main, main view now is to take down anyone, any of Trump's advisors they don't like, but of course, ultimately to take down Trump himself. They absolutely have a loathing hatred of him. The other aspect of the rediscovering TV is, is uh, the thing that irritated me almost as much as any other thing about it is, if anything, even worse, just the incredible amount of advertising so that you can't watch anything for more than a couple minutes before it's interrupted. And they don't come back to it in two minutes. They come back in like four or five minutes. It's just utterly absurd. It's like 50-50 on content. And you know, you sit there and you got, you know, I was flipping forth, back and forth between, I don't know, like three, like CNN, Fox News, and one other. I don't remember what it was, but three to four basic news channels. I didn't even realize MSNBC, it wasn't in the same number, so I wasn't flipping to that or I would have, but I guess that's been doing a little better in the ratings. But it's the same stuff. It's 50% advertising, 100% same ideology. Tucker Carlson, the only one who's somewhat different, and he certainly would not uh, be a racialist, but he's realized like there's that. that's where the eyes the eyeballs lie is in something that's not exactly the same as the rest because the rest of them on cnn are exactly the same and really the only way you have anything break through the their ideology is when trump does a press conference and they actually allow you to see how he responds and believe me, they were they were absolutely bullying him. And he just, nope, let me, let me respond. Let me finish. Let me finish. He says that 100,000 times. And he's saying, you know, it wasn't, there were some very bad people. But on the other side, there were also some very, and you won't say that. See, he didn't even go as far as the facts would have let him go, which is that the left initiated this. You people think that you can label anyone you want a Nazi, and that justifies literally anything up to and including killing them that is done to them. And you're all in lockstep on that. That's the way to put it. That is the fact of the matter. I, I mean, we live in absolutely as a centralized 
and ideologized a, a, a media system as was ever in the old Soviet Union. The only difference is we still have some of the Internet. But even there, like I said, the number one alt-right site and the number one right-wing site, Daily Stormer, is now on the dark web. You have to get on Tor browser to access it. You can't just access it through a regular uh, site because they don't want people reading that stuff. Even though the, the Anglin and the Storm have been 100% nonviolent and anti-violent. So this is the reality we live in, a very censored time. Now, why don't we look at the two? So when I get back, when I got back from a few days on the road, I had two media requests. The first in a while, because I haven't, obviously, I haven't done media stuff in a while, because it's basically useless to talk to them. Let's see. First of all, NPR. From Danielle Kurtzleben, who I looked her up. She looks like a goy. She's from Iowa, so she's similar to Heidi Byrick and Ryan Lentz of the SPLC, is my guess, a goy who is serving the Jews. But it's also possible she is a Jew herself, or a part Jew. But she's from Iowa. I tend to think she's probably as German like, like uh, Lentz and Byrick. Mr. Linder, I'm writing a piece for NPR about the Trump administration's response to the Charlottesville violence. This is a direct quote. The Trump administration's response to the Charlottesville violence. I'm wondering if you or someone else at your side who you think would be well-suited could talk to me about how the president's many sides, about the president, how the president's many sides response, which have come under heavy criticism, have been received by the alt-right community slash white nationalists slash readers of your website slash etc. If you could talk to me, let me know at 202 and then her number and thanks. And I responded by saying, again, she wrote me that on uh, August 14th, so I didn't respond until the 20th, so I'm sure she's long past it, although I didn't, I didn't, I haven't seen whatever article she wrote. I said, the left initiated violence in Charlottesville. NPR knows that and won't report it. No point in talking. I won't help you put over the pretense that NPR is anything other than a bunch of Jewish liars pursuing a genocidal anti-white agenda. You, meaning Danielle Kurtzleben, K-U-R-T-Z-L-E-B-E-N, very, very German name, you are from Iowa, like SPLC's Lenz and Byrick, and I'd guess from your name that, like them, you're of German descent. You should be ashamed of selling your race out to the Jews to serve your personal interest. No response. And then later, as I said, I sent her another. This is real reporting. A link to Hartist, which was the where the, where, uh, the Pax Dickinson graphic explanation of how things actually were set up and evolved in uh, Charlottesville was found by me anyway, or that that's where I've seen it. Maybe he had it. He originally posted on Twitter, and I guess Hartiste made it into an article. I so I said, "This is real reporting." I sent it to her. The link. It's the opposite of what you do in NPR, and that is in fact the case. I'm going to talk a little more about that. I listen to a lot of NPR uh, going and coming and other other radio. Um, and then I had another request from. Mastro Lili, something like that. Let's see. Dear Mr. Linder, my name is Paolo Mastro Lili. I am the U.S. Bureau Chief for the Italian daily La Stampa. 
I would appreciate very much the opportunity to have an interview with you about what happened in Charlottesville and your opinion concerning the direction the United States is going. La Stampa is a leading national Italian daily owned by Fiat Chrysler. My cell phone number is blah, blah, blah. Best regards, Paolo Mastrolini. Mastrolili. Mastrolili. Paolo Mastrolili. And I wrote him back, I said, and he has not responded either. Again, he wrote me that on August 13th, so eight days ago. And I wrote him back yesterday. Charlotte, I forgot to say Charlottesville. Charlottesville is an example of the white race attempting to break free of Jewish control and, in essence, create a new head for its racial body. It is a harbinger of more and greater white resistance to Jewish tyranny, which will culminate, ultimately, in regain white sovereignty and Jews forced to pay the bill for their murder of tens of millions of whites via their communism in the 20th century. New paragraph. The media refused to report the basic facts in Charlottesville. Colon. One. One. The left initiated the violence, as always. Two. The politicians, specifically McAuliffe, ordered the police to stand down and give the anti-white communists, who call themselves Antifa, access to the rally leader so they could initiate violence, which they did. This gave McAuliffe the pretext to, three, shut down the rally before it even started, even though the Unite the Right had a court-backed permit. Four, Again, the media, in parentheses, in the Jewish parentheses, the media know all this and won't report any of it, period. Their only interest is, five, using the false, quote, narrative they created about this rally in their campaign to drive Trump from office. So those are the five points. And then the final paragraph, the direction the USA is going, directly downhill, the powers that be, Jews and those who serve them, are attempting to turn the U.S. against the will of the majority into a third world country. The exact same thing that your readers will be familiar with in Italy, where, of course, boats of Africans arrive daily. Charlottesville represents resistance to this attempted tyranny and would-be white genocide. The white racial cause begins to draw a better class of white man, as you see in the photos of the torchbearers, as increasing numbers of whites realize they have nothing to lose. Their race is attacked viciously and daily in the media by the Jews and on the streets by the discoloreds, so more and more whites are finding the courage to stand up for themselves and their race and their communities. And that's the end of my response to Paolo Mastrolili of La Stampa. And why talk to them? Because it wastes my time and they don't use what you say. So that's why I don't uh, talk to the media very often. Although I'm not above firing off an email. But anyway, those came in when I was on the road. So you can see that there was a great desire on the part of the whole media. This really was a worldwide or world-covered event. And that in itself is significant. Probably the biggest rally since Billy Roper's uh, got about 500 of us together in D.C. many years ago. So, and I saw today a long quote from Sarah Silverman in relation to the we will, Jews will not replace us. And, uh, you know, when people like this are, 
the alt-right is being taken note of now. It is becoming a real force. And as I said, we are drawing, the key is drawing a better class of whites, but not that alone. That only matters if they are actually committed to the, the dual litmus test. They are pro-white and anti-Jew, and they are, because if they're not those, they're just useless, feckless conservatives, and they will lose. So you have to be pro-white, and you have to be anti-Jew. Those are the same damn thing. And these people were, and you can tell from the photos of the torchbearers, we're getting people who aren't just parole slugs, who have no money, no income, no no great families, no nothing like that. Who just half of them are they are they use they way overuse LARPing, uh, and and that's not a big deal. And and they've also overcome the fear of guilt by association because no matter what we do, we're going to be called Nazis. There may be good reasons not to use a Nazi flag, or not there just as there are good reasons not to dress like a slob. But they are not ultimately dis decisive or dispositive because you're going to get called a Nazi just by being white. It doesn't have any meaning beyond that. It's just a hook for them to attack. They put all their, invested all their energy into making Nazis the ultimate evil. And as I'm saying, the uh, supposedly right-wing people in the mass media all sign off on that. Glenn Beck, Rush Limbaugh, uh, the pretend non-Jew Greg Gutfeld on Fox maybe even Tucker Carlson himself, I'll sign off that obviously anyone who's a Nazi or who is associated with them is morally evil and beyond redemption. So the fake right is the same as the left on the stuff that matters. And I've only been saying that, what, ever since I spoke word one and you heard me, or wrote word one. The fake right and the left agree, it's what they agree on that matters. And they agree that white racialism in any form is inherently invalid. Whites must be individualist while other races can be out for themselves. And that double standard will lead to white genocide, but that's not a problem because race doesn't even exist according to the left or race doesn't matter according to the right, the fake right. And that kind of leads me on to the next point I want to make more about, uh, more on the radio side from the TV. So now, I got, I heard everybody. I heard you know, Howie Carr up in Boston. I heard whoever was sitting in for Laura Ingram. I heard other people on like the Boston NPR that I wouldn't even know their names. I listened to a bunch of Glenn Beck. I listened to hours of Limbaugh while I'm, you know, riding on the road. It's basically about 28 hours to where I was going, so... You know, I didn't make it there in one fell swoop, but I, you know, sleep in the car and then get up and drive more. And now I've made this trip a uh, few times, so I, I kind of know what I'm doing a little better. But anyway, there's loads of NPR you can hear in in uh, Pennsylvania and uh, loads of, of Boston stuff you can pretty much hear from, from there. Uh, you know, they're just funny little anecdotes like on the way back I stopped at a I pulled off the interstate in I think Youngstown a god on, a, on like a road that had the top of it stripped off as nasty I'm like what are all these niggers around and I went into Arby's because we don't have an Arby's in Kirksville I like Arby's so I like to eat it if I'm on the road because I wouldn't get a chance here not that I'm into fast food I'm not at all but on the road you know I'm just trying to get where I'm going and stay awake and not be hungry and so I got some, you know, uh, I got some, uh, I don't know, I had some Red Mountain Dew. And the, 
the chick behind the counter is like, you know, she's like, you know, that's gang fuel, right? And I'm like, what? Because I'm half de- freaking deaf. And I'm like, she's like, it's gang fuel. I'm like, what? She's like, ah, just forget it. She's just kind of making a point. But yeah, there was that type of black around there. I had always associated Youngstown is up in the northeastern, uh, northeastern sort of corner of Ohio. So you got Akron up there. You got Youngstown. This is, you know, Columbus is more more in the middle. You kind of I went through there and Columbus, uh, uh, then up to that's where Ohio State is, and they have loads of Somalis in in Columbus. I didn't see a sign of them, but I know that they do. Youngstown is the I associate with corrupt union type officials, Cleveland type stuff, but loads of blacks. I was like, man, am I even in a bad, I, I'm in a kind of a bad area here. A lot of blacks up there, nasty roads. It didn't really like that. I was just briefly off the road and then got back and kept going. Youngstown and Akron, uh, I'm not super familiar with Ohio, but you know, going through there on the way back. But anyhow, what I I want to do uh, just just a, a funny little thing that happened. So yeah, I guess all those uh, gangbangers, which they probably uh, presumably have up there in Youngstown, like to drink that Red Mountain Dew gang fuels. Oh yeah, the chick who said that was actually black. It was working the counter. It's kind of funny. And she's not a young black either. She was you know at least maybe 35, 40. Anyway, so here's just another like like Florence King, you know, a spot check. When in the brief time she wrote like porn, pornographic novels, you had the chance that you would open to any particular page and it would be a good sex scene. So just a sort of a spot check. So I'm driving through <coughs> kind of northwestern Pennsylvania, right? Just to give you an example of how the country, I mean, everybody and their damn brother is talking about Charlottesville. That's all I would do is search on the radio until I heard someone talk in politics and it was always about Charlottesville. So the alt-right is on the map. This is a big thing. The media has no interest in the facts. They are purely interested in, in their agenda and their narrative and using it to drive out Trump out of office, their ultimate goal, because he is a proxy for white interests. And I'll explain that in, in kind of as we, uh, in this, that, that's the other main point I'm going to explain here so that you understand my concept of how this all fits together. But. So I'm driving through somewhere, okay, around, you know, the Little League World Series going on out there at Williamsport, Pennsylvania, kind of in the northwest. Pennsylvania is about five hours on basically mostly I-80 and pick up like uh, 81 north of Scranton, where Andrew Torba of Gab is actually from. Scranton is kind of a little bit rougher eastern Pennsylvania town. You pick up 81 up to 84 and cut through the kind of the, the lower portion of the wing of New York and up through Connecticut and, and then around uh, the kind of the extreme out, outer beltway of like 490 around Boston, which is actually not as populated as you would think. The Connecticut part is a little, some crazy drivers in there and you get can get stuck in Hartford, et cetera, et cetera. But then you're back to 95 and you're enjoying Maine's like literally if you go on 95 up in Maine, it's like $12 in tolls. Maybe, maybe 150 of that is somewhere over uh Port Jervis or something, Pennsylvania, Philadelphia, but there's like 10, dollars $10, in tolls on Maine alone in maybe 150 miles. I've never seen anything like it. That's what they call the down east part of Maine. Uh, but uh, a- anyway, these are just little tidbits. But so I'm driving through western, northeastern, northeast, pardon me, northeastern 
Pennsylvania. What would I, I guess I would have been on uh, at that point. I, most of Pennsylvania are on I-80. What is Pennsylvania like? It, it really is. Penn's Woods. It, Sylvania. Sylvan means woods. Pennsylvania is mountains to fairly large hills that are covered with trees. And then little towns here and there scattered through them. And still a lot of them have kind of an older... Uh, Bellefontaine or, or du, du Bois have kind of an older, almost like 50s, like diner type feel. They're like little hamlets where they're still kind of basically white. Like Pittsburgh would be one of the one of the main, one of the biggest cities in the U.S. that's still basically hugely white, right? So that that carries over into some of these other little towns a little more. But they're basically outlets from the, and, and the gas prices are funny. Gas is very very. Very high in, in Philadelphia. It was over 250 up in the New England, about 255, 205 in Kirksville to 255 in Maine, and New England, and, and then Pittsburgh was still mostly 239. Be the best you could get in Pennsylvania, and then but in Ohio, like Lodi and some of the northeastern portion of Ohio, when you get out of kind of the mountains, you're starting to come into the I don't know what you call it, but more of the midwestern plateau or the Midwestern flatlands, you, you start getting a little lower. You start getting uh, at least into the, you know, 230s and, and then the 220s. But so that's kind of how gas prices run. But Pittsburgh's, uh, all the stuff on I-80 is pretty pretty darn high for gas. But anyway, so as I'm coming into northeastern Pennsylvania, I hear this guy starts talking. And I'm like, what is this? What is this? Well, this guy is some radio DJ. I don't know, some Christian or some other station up there. He's lost all of his advertisers, and he used the word vicious about 50 times due to a vicious campaign against him and his radio station. Why? Because his son attended the alt-right rally in Charlottesville. And I, I listened to a half hour of this guy talking about it. He said, I understand, you know, these people are super, super vicious. I understand why. So he loses all of his, his advertising money. And he loses his good association with Bloomsburg College. And that may well be a German rather than a Jew name. Because the, this is, you know, Pennsylvania is heavily, heavily uh, German settled. So a lot of these are German Protestant origins of the universities. Maybe Bloomsburg is one of those. But anyway, so 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 that's one side effect. So his son had tendered his resignation. I guess he worked with some little family radio station or or some radio show. Lost all their advertisers. So this is an example of people being outed. I haven't seen this discussed anywhere else, but I just happen to hear him talking about this as as I'm writing across the country. So it really was. It was there was nothing but discussion of Charlottesville on CNN with very brief talks about North Korea and the days I was up there in Maine and then uh, all over the radio. Absolutely. And again, it's pretty much the same thing. You either get leftist, pure leftist on NPR, which is in, in NPR is in Maine, NPR is in Pennsylvania very strongly, NPR is out of Boston and other leftists out of Boston. But then, you know, a lot of the more talk radio people like listen to is going to be right wing and that means Limbaugh that means Beck um, and I and I you know Beck I, I mean Limbaugh you know you know what it is like a limited hangout they'll give you a little bit and you don't really fully know how much they actually know but you suspect they know a lot more than they do 
and then some of them really seem to believe. And I and I listened to Christ. I listened to that uh, Savage, My, Michael Savage, the Savage Wiener, the the Jew, and he had switched to calling them Bolsheviks. He said that's a word he's going to use going forward, Bolsheviks. He was more to the point than any of these other people, but he still won't give the game away and say, look, Jews took over your country, and they're eliminating your kind. And that's the basic understanding you have. If you want to understand politics, that's what it boils down to. He won't go that far. But he'll, he'll if, you know, if you know the facts, he's pretty close to them. If you don't, I don't know how you'd take what he says. Because the others will still try to call it liberals or the left. They, they maintain the fiction that, you know, Limbaugh's thing, well, you know, the, they're trying to destroy our constitutional republic. No, son, they're trying to destroy your race. It's a biological war against your kind by another kind. Now, Limbaugh, I don't even know if he fully understands that. Glenn Beck, I believe, actually does understand that. Glenn Beck is just an out-and-out liar. And he has the exact bearing. I used to always say that Jew Dennis Prager, who was a, a pseudo-right-wing bullshitter, has the bearing of a world's oldest fourth grader. Glenn Beck is the adult equivalent of a kid caught with his hand in the cookie jar who was expostulating about how he was putting it back or he was just feeling to see if the cookies were still there or in, in the right shape. He's just, he's just a, and it's funny because I know, I know people who are, they just can't read that at all in him. They can't see how utterly, utterly fake he is. And I, I suspect he was born with considerable talents in that regard. And I suspect he improved them during his drunken years. And he's probably, probably madly expostulating. No, that wasn't my that wasn't that wasn't my vodka bottle you found in the upper deck of your toilet. No, not at all. Who would hide something there? That's crazy talk. I don't like to drink at all. I I don't even drink water. I just lick some drops off leaves when I get thirsty. Alcohol, God forbid, I wouldn't touch it. Glenn Beck is just the ultimate ultimate bullshitter. And so I'm listening to this monkey when I'm pulling into this apparently gang infested horrible horribly unsurfaced road off the freeway in Youngstown and he's like you know I I studied and studied anti-semitism and oh yeah well he spent what what he did was talk about slogans when I was listening he was on and on and they were he and his his sidekick who I have no idea who he is were just mo- utterly mocking Jews will not replace us and so, you know, they're, they're very similar. If you remember when I went on that show with those radio dudes who were kept continually attacking me in the lowest terms and I was attacking them right back. Um, very, very similar in tone to that. Of course, they didn't have any guests on, but they were like, they were going after the people at the alt-right and just laughing about them and basically putting forward their bullshit version of the U.S. as individualist. But Glenn Beck doesn't believe that. Glenn Beck knows better than that. He is, he, Limbaugh, I don't know. Limbaugh's so satisfied with himself that I think he's only interested to a certain level, really. But Beck is an out-and-out liar. Beck absolutely knows. Uh, and so, so Beck is sitting there just, just bullshitting his ingenuous, baby blue-eyed, very sort of youthful, baby-face-looking heart out. He's... he's He's, I studied this anti I spent hundreds of hours studying anti-Semitism. Why do these people hate the Jews? And he talks about how it's found everywhere and at all times. And you know, I just concluded it's just irrational. It's just irrational. 
and and he's lying. He know he knows exactly why. It's like, well, Glenn, uh, if you can't quite figure it out, then well, what do what do they say? What do these anti-Semites say? What what arguments do they make against the Jews? But he, of course, he can't touch on that. See, because if he starts touching on what the Jews actually do, well, that gives the game away. So we have to the great pretense that it's just this anti. Semitism, criticism of the Jews is just this wacky, crazy, irrational thing that just miraculously happens to pop up wherever Jews are. Like a virus they carry, as has been said by Edgar Steele and others. He knows. He, he absolutely knows. But he, uh, he can't say it. He can't say it. Lose his job. Lose his uh, position. So he, he's stuck preaching race-free individualism as the uh, solution. And so, that's what I heard when I was on the road. And there was some guy I listened to who was sitting in for Laura Ingram. I heard him a few times. I don't know what his name was. He wasn't terrible, but, you know, no true depth, no getting to the, the bottom of anything. Um, but... I'm going to give you a way of thinking about this. I, maybe I've done it before. I don't know. But, uh, you know, I had a lot of hours to think. What Jews have done, we observe, yeah, they, they narrative, the concept of narrative. Jews falsify history to serve their own agenda. But see, we're now on to the second false version of history. That stuff I read about Columbus, that would be a perfect example of Jew fake history 2.0. Whereas Glenn Beck and Rush Limbaugh are perpetrating fake history 1.0. So when the Jews showed up here, whites were unquestioned racialists on average. There was no national coordinated media or technology to make it possible. So they didn't have a lever to fuck everything up. But that was soon to come through the technological developments, which they realized they could turn to political use. So they couldn't immediately overthrow the racial ideas of all Americans, which came naturally not from teaching as the Jew left always lies, but from nature, from reality itself. So whites were the top dog. Blacks were uh, essentially just ex-slaves. Jews were looked down upon as scum when they started showing up after 1880. So Jews tried to claim, oh, we're white, and tried to integrate into the white community while retaining their, their Jewish outlook and their Jewish roots, of course. And they gave themselves respectable Anglo-Saxon name, changing their last name, but even changing their first name. To, that's where you get stuff like Murray Rothbard, you know, the Jew long dead. But why would a Jew name itself Murray? Because Murray was a respectable-sounding wasp-type name. Why would a Jew name itself Llewellyn? Because that was a respectable-sounding wasp name so they were trying to integrate themselves into wasp society that's step one and consonant and simultaneous to that attempt to socially elevate themselves by renaming themselves wasp names the jews as soon as they got in this country started concocting fake science and fake history at the same time the fake science was boaz and the claim that all cultures and I've even seen it put this way, before then, there was only one culture, and peoples were at different 
points on the development of that culture. And that's actually almost kind of a Catholic view. We create culture. We civilize people. It may take hundreds and millions and thousands of years, but ultimately Catholicism civilizes people. Well, apparently in academia, there is more or less the same point of view. Like Aborigines would be at step one and the white man would be at step 100 and the other races would be at various points along the way. That was kind of the view. Then Franz Boas, a, a typical Jew liar coming in, a charlatan, masquerading as a PhD intellectual, comes into America, establishes anthropology and changes it as an academic discipline from physical anthropology, which is about facts and bones, to social anthropology. And promoting the notion of cultural equality, that there is not one culture among hominids, but there are multiple cultures, and they're all equal. You can't say that aborigines are any worse than whites or that whites are any better than aborigines and then the creation of the concept the term and the concept of racism and its popularization by trotsky and hirschfeld the sex freak the head of a, a homosexual bordello that was masquerading as an academic uh sex study institute that hitler kicked out of germany sort of the predecessor to the kinsey institute in indiana that we would later hear about but anyway so at the same time, Jews are coming up with this false, false uh, Jews coming to the country after 1880 in large numbers. They invent bogus anthropology. They invent multiculturalism as a political thing. They invent cultural equality as a bogus academic science. And you see how those are related. But at the same time, they come up with a false ideology and history of America so that America becomes all about individuals. America wasn't a racial land of blood and soil founded by a particular people. America was just a grab bag of people of any race, of any culture, from all over the world coming together to form one. Israel Zangwill is where the figure of the melting pot comes from. Emma Lazarus, a Jewess who's Doggerel was put on the Statue of Liberty, which has nothing to do with immigration, saying that, oh, we're, we are the trash dump for the four sewers of the world, right? So they're falsifying what America is. They're lying about what America is in order to change it, in order to change in the natives their own understanding of who and what they are. And that false history 1.0 is essentially what Glenn Beck and Rush Limbaugh that's the hymn, hymnal, that's the manual, that's the text that they're reading from today. And then all the cucks are reading from, and all the old people, the old white people, the greatest generation, that's the lies that they were fed, right? So they were fed the original false version of American history. In reality, America was white men, Christian, manifest destiny. The superiority of the white man would drive the others off the earth and establish civilization in North America. That was the reality of it. And Jews falsified that. No, America's not about race. America's an idea. And obviously there's little bits they can pick pick and choose from the the founders to, to establish that lie. You know, all men are created equal and America's an experiment and stuff like that. They can build on those precedents by decontexting them and essentially thereby falsifying them and create this original bogus myth of American history. Myth, narrative, history, fiction, lies, truth, all being the same thing to Jews. 
whatever works is what matters. This was where they had to, this was their starting point. They couldn't do what they're now preaching that we heard in that Columbus thing because they hadn't sufficiently prepped the population for it. And it, back then they didn't even have the technical tools, so it took them decades to get going. But finally they had the national technical platform, not just in the technology, but in the growth and the ubiquity of the public schooling system. So they have the technical basis for spreading, repeating, amplifying their propaganda. So they have the school system, they have the mass media, and they have the politicians. They, and they also, they teach the teachers, not just the end product, but the wholesale product. They have that whole supply chain of ideas is owned by them. So from farm to farm to plate, they, they own the, you know, the trucks that distribute, they own the warehouses. They decide what seeds are planted and, and they harvest the crops. They have the whole thing. It doesn't happen overnight. But anyway, so they establish their basic myth, their basic lie, their basic deracialization. So they start by de-whitening, by deracializing, by individualizing white history. That's step one. That's false history number one. But then after the 60s, once they've attained power and they have the media and the technology is born out and they know what they're doing and they're fully empowered and they're fully invested in they're fully infiltrated through the institutions per Gramsci through their long march. Why then they come up with false history number two. And that's what we're seeing mature today. And that began to be seeded, let's say, basically in the 60s when, when all these revolutionary laws were put in. They started infl- infiltrating that, that false history where whites are the ultimate evil. Whites didn't achieve anything. Whites are no goods. Whites stole and expropriated and raped and murdered that we saw in the, in the Baltimore thing. That's pure leftist ideology. That's false, faked American history narrative 2.0. So now all you can get on the national airwaves as you drive around the country or watch TV in your hotel room, the right generally sticks with false history 1.0, you know, Hannity, Limbaugh, Tucker Carlson and the rest and ritually denounces the racialism that actually motivated the founders in real history. And they do fake battle with the left that's promoting the 2.0 that's ultimately meant to culminate. Whites never achieved anything. Whites only existed in a negative sense. Everything that can actually be earned or achieved or attributed to whites legitimately is negative. They're expropriators, they're thieves, they're rapists, they're murderers. They must be made extinct. Even in their basic manners, there's microaggressions. They they benefit from undeserved privilege, you see. So that's how they sort of shifted over 100 years. False history one, false history two. And ultimately, it's to culminate in the complete destruction of America and the complete destruction of the race that created it. And that's what we see dueling on the airwaves, and that's what we see dueling on TV. And that's what Charlottesville represents a genuine alternative to the white racial view. Which at least doesn't lie about the racial views of the founders. It may be slightly different itself. Or it may just be the same original American view, but again, far harder, far more seriously. So, that's basically the story. That's pretty much what I wanted to get across. 
in this this podcast but I guess you conclude by saying so then I get back and they are so afraid of the inroads that all of our ideas are making you know uh, daily stormer which is you know completely pushing stuff that we pushed in VNN they are so afraid of that they are going absolutely hog wild to no platform anyone who is pro-white at all points across the net they really seem to feel that they're an end game with all the colors they brought in and all the uh, suppression they've achieved but uh, you know we are going to be living in interesting times I think that is uh, certainly certainly safe to conclude and I guess uh, you you grasp the, the suppression and the oppression. I don't need to tell you about that, but it's worse than it ever has been. I mean, Red Ice was hacked, had their database stolen, driven off the air. Daily Stormer driven underground to the dark web that you can access by Tor. Tor is a free download, sort of an anonymous uh, browser. Go ahead and get it. Um, Add that to your arsenal. Uh, White's driven off PayPal, you know, the de facto monopoly online payment system. So what we need, I was thinking about this today, is hate or normal or white. One of those three is the name of a, you know, Gesamtkunstwerk, like a total artwork that involves, you know, like, like a, a Wagnerian opera that involves visual, auditory, even the feel, colors, right? We need a comprehensive utility that serves whites. It's a payment mechanism. It's a way to fund the people you want to fund, or at least to exchange payments. It's a way to host uh, videos like YouTube. All of these could be incorporated into one system that would serve people. Uh, and, and the closest one I know to uh, having this as an ideal is Gab. And so it's worth thinking about investing in that because these other ones are absolutely locking it down now to where they don't want anyone of sound white mind to be able to do anything essentially and you know what we know from history that this bolshevism 2.0 and that's exactly what these people are the only logical stopping point is where bolshevism 1.0 stopped which is with mass murder of races they don't like and ultimately these people they're tearing down they're not why would they be satisfied with tearing down statues when they could destroy the living monuments the sons and daughters of the men who created the old America that they hate and there's no logical answer to that question they absolutely would and will physically destroy our kind if they possibly can so this is it we are in a revolutionary situation, and we need all hands on deck. And I've gone on longer than I intend to in these these Lindercasts, but uh, it was it was a very dramatic week. And I think that, uh, by God, don't don't subscribe to cable. Don't put money in these people's pockets. You can torrent anything, anything essentially that you want to see. You can torrent for free. Uh, on the web. And uh, deprive the Jews of your money. 
deprive them of your mind share and support the people who support you and your cause. And Charlottesville will, in fact, turn out to have been a, a turning point. I really believe that it's a turning point in white response. I believe the turning point for the left, it's really just a maturing of conditions since we saw Vienna. And everything that I said, basically, when VNN started, which was almost exactly uh, 17 years ago, was is now coming out. And I said, this is a billion-dollar market. Well, that's what all these majors have locked in for whites, for Gab, for whoever wants it. They absolutely are not going to go back. They don't want any kind of free speech. They are locking a market in that Gab or somebody is going to take advantage of, at least until they make it formally illegal to have these points of view and express them. There will be a market locked in there. They are not going to vary or become more liberal. So that's sitting there for someone to grab. And our side has all the, we won the war, we won the argument long ago. When you're a tiny minority viewpoint, as you know, I've said many times, you have to lie. It's not, as some say, that they choose to double down. They have to do that. The lying and the murder naturally go together. They don't have another way other than suppression of the majority normal viewpoint. That's just true by definition. So we are fighting back. Use your, your money wisely. Do not give it to the Jews. Try to avoid buying stuff retail if you possibly can. And support the people and causes that are actually pro-white. And keep your money away from the Jews. But Charlottesville... I believe the leftists kind of uh, turned the corner in terms of they switched their bloodlust up to 11. They went from puck on 7 to puck on 11 around the time of Trayvon Martin. That's what I believe. It, it just And then it just became nonstop. Blacks are victims. Blacks are victims. Blacks are victims. And nonstop open. Uh, they seem to discover a new... offensive aspect of racism on the part of white behavior almost every day now it seems like they're coming up with some new way whites are offending their black natural superiors and pushing this through the media harder than ever but the natural response is we're getting more and more better higher quality whites who are realizing jesus man there's nothing left to lose we're being screwed in every possible way we need to organize and fight back and that's what charlottesville represents the, the intensification, the polarization is what we want to push. I've been pushing this a long time. The divide that helps us is whites versus Jews. And we have to make people see that the true force that is doing all these rotten things all traces back to the taproot that grows out of the synagogue. The Jew is the problem. The other crap is the symptoms. And our solution is racial. It's not religious, it's not political, it's not this other crap. It's racial. We need to live among our own kind. That is the only solution that will work for us. Whites only and they're always gonna they're always gonna say supremacy. They never they never they won't use alt right. They think they think it's an attempt to evade or hide. They will use white nationalism somewhat, but what they're gonna default to we've seen in the last couple of weeks, is white supremacy, which is a red herring. Who cares whether we think we're supreme or not? That's irrelevant. Why can't we call ourselves 
by your own name like every other group does. The Antifa are anti-whites. They're communists, but they call themselves anti-fascists. They're not anti-fascists. They're anti-whites. They oppose plenty of whites who wouldn't call themselves fascists. So they get, they get the prerogative of choosing their own name, the privilege of choosing their own name and having it repeated by the media. But we don't. We get called what the media want to call us, which is white supremacists. White supremacy is relevant. Whether we think we're superior or not, we want our own white nation for our reasons, and our reasons are none of their business. Our reason is our preference. We prefer to live among our own kind, and that's the strongest argument for it. Despite other people have to think think that they have to locate it in some God. Oh, God wants you. Let me tell you, my friend, all God ever does is stand by, you know, and if you weren't so fucking stupid, you would have noticed that by now. But you are that fucking stupid, so get out of my podcast and go get your knees and flate Jeebus, idiot. No, the white cause is a preference, and that's all it is. And that's the strongest thing it could be, which is the intellectual point that you need to understand. But anyway, yeah, Charlotte, Charlottesville will prove a, a turning point in the intensification, the polarization of politics. Again, it, it's not us causing it. It's, it's something that uh, we're trying to further it and make it stronger because ultimately there's going to be have to be a resolution in favor of us. But we need to make people understand the true forces doing battle. And when they see that, wow, it really is like, are you with, are you with Linder? Are you with Silverman? You know, are you with Anglin or are you with, you know, Jew Podhoretz or Bill Crystal? Which are you with? You make it clear that there's a split between the whites and the Jews and they're going to come down in the white side. You want any kind of white normalcy? Come with us, Team White versus Team Jew. That's how we split it and that's how we win. Anyway, thanks for being with me today, and I will, uh, I'm going to be doing uh, these Linder, Linder casts. They're not all going to be super long, but they'll be as long or short as, as I feel I need to get my points across. And that, those, are, those are the points that I'd written down about uh, the last week and what I saw on TV and what I heard on the radio and, and what I expressed. So the great, 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 huge interest. The alt-right and this white nationalist stuff is the only real interesting thing out there. And even the leftists at some point admit that to themselves. So be strong, be sure, help us polarize and help us win for Team White. I'm Alex Linder, and this was LinderCast 0002.